1: really well. Um, despite the uh, you know the times of not being able to socialize with friends, I have a lot to keep my mind occupied and uh, I even had a slight impromptu dance party by myself. And I saw that. our producer,
0: I saw that you um, sent me that
1: video. Yeah, yeah. the other night, um, in you know a space that I office out that has ample room for, um, you know, social distancing. And I have to tell you, after 13 hours of laughing and drinking and dancing, oh my I finally felt like
0: okay, I can go home. <laughs> So you, you spent the whole time drinking and dancing and laughing 13 Pretty hours much. or were you working also? <laughs> I oh actually God. got
1: there before and worked and then, okay. and then Denise came
0: and we just straight up drank <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and you danced. Know, yeah. I mean, it's going to be kind of hard as people try to figure out how, you know, what's acceptable, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we know where we've kind of been. I mean, I've been hanging out uh, with my son William and stuff, but it's like, you know, if I went over, you know, I don't go over to my friend Julie's house, you know, yeah. FaceTime, and she's just around the corner, you know, because we just, I just don't want to risk, um, yeah, um, possibly infecting somebody. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that you kind of, you know, are living on the edge there—it was you, on the edge in the coronavirus times—you're uh, living on the edge by dancing what ten feet apart. <laughs>
1: It was defi- we talking definitely... Talking to each other
0: from across a room. Yeah,
1: we definitely, we did honor, you know, we were more than what is considered socially acceptable like we were we did maintain that and um in the space like they do an excellent job cleaning there's only a couple people that are using this massive facility every day and you know there's cleaning afterwards and we cleaned after as we were leaving like anything we touched we made sure to like I'm good sanitize everything down so we were respectful of the space and um and also you know knowing that it wasn't going to be and. Two days until somebody entered the space, we felt like okay, we're we're doing what we need to do to respect the you know medical protocols. And
0: and neither of you have have anybody that's in. We I mean we've been home, three so. weeks in.
1: You know, both of us have been over had been over three weeks in isolation at that
0: point. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was good. It's just going to be interesting, I think, as um, people. Figure out if they are gonna, you know, socialize again. I know. I don't know. I mean, they said today that the um, (sighs) the mayor and the county executive in St. Louis County they're thinking about extending it until sometime in May, but they're not sure exactly when. I know. I know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How are you, Michelle? Uh, I'm
0: good. I didn't. You have have a fire pit. I do. My son uh my son has rearranged the backyard. So he moved the fire pit from one location and then dug another hole and rebuilt it into another location. And we're looking we're gonna build a patio <laughs> at the fire pit. <laughs> uh yeah, lots of lots of some bigger home home projects that we've wanted to do um over the last couple of years. And, you know, since we didn't move, um and we're yeah. not moving, um, we're just kind of uh uh, you know. Putting ourselves to work, and uh, not only did we the fire pit this weekend, and I say we, I supervised. We to do all of the <laughs> with your work. wine
1: in hand. <laughs> I did,
0: I did. Uh, but uh, yesterday, or two days ago, he tore up the old floor in the basement, and um, we are today. I helped him uh, lay some of it, and we are just at the parts where we have to like cut and score, um, and it looks really, really nice. And so. And then we, and we painted the cabinets. I mean, Oh my gosh, we've been, we've been amazing. Oh, Oh, and I did laundry. Oh, I did laundry. So I was like, wow, that's a lot of laundry, a lot of, you know, a lot of yoga pants I've been wearing, a lot of sweatshirts, (laughs) a lot of hoodies. Well, (laughs) Michelle,
1: (laughs) we're on a similar laundry schedule because, you know, we've talked about before, like how long I will go Mm -hmm. before doing laundry. And I finally started doing laundry again over the weekend. So yeah, yeah. it's time.
0: It's about, it was a couple of weeks. Yeah. I was like, well, it's my, my laundry pile kept getting higher and higher. And I'm like, well, it's, I don't have any more yoga pants to put on. It's time to, to do the laundry. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, um, watch the little television, playing games on my phone. And I can't wait to introduce our our guest and ask ask our guest him as well, but... Do you find it annoyed when you get the screen report on your from your iPhone yes. after a week, and they're like, uh, "Your it's screen report, it's going up. <laughs> is going up. Uh, this week you averaged eight hours a day." And I am like, <laughs> "What the fuck am I supposed to be doing? I'm on, I'm, I'm on <laughs> quarantine. And we're all on, you know, self isolation here." So yeah. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce our our friend and guest Ian Kohler and uh, to the show to the podcast. Ian, say hi. Hello. Hello, welcome. And right out of right out of the gate, Ian, how do you feel? Do you get reports from your phone on your screen? Um, Actually,
2: I I'm an Android user, Um, Samsung through and through, and I do not get a report.
0: Oh, that's probably so nice. That's a skill (laughs) for Samsung, (laughs) you know, because I find it kind of a, a offensive. You know, like... It's
1: like I'm being judged by my phone. Yes. Right? Yes, <laughs> you're judging. using me too much.
0: Yeah. You know, you it, should be,
1: it should send out confetti like, yay, your
0: screen time was up. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to your screen time was up compared to last week, and last have week you, you were only five hours a day. Now have
1: you you're taken any steps
0: today? <laughs>
2: Maybe, maybe it's along the (laughs) lines of talking with your friends about it to see if you can outdo each other from week to week. Maybe (laughs) that's the plan.
1: Oh, Uh I like it. Like, okay, with every hour, you take another shot. Yes. You know, (laughs) that kind of a game, right? And yes. then, or and, and do a, a flight of stairs. <laughs>
0: oh, oh! I could get I could get pretty dangerous after after a while. Yes, yeah. So, Ian, how have you been managing it this like Corona
2: times? Oh, Corona time! Um,
0: <laughs>
1: Not the beer that kind. That sounds like
2: a fun <laughs> party time. Um, and the truth is, maybe far from that. Um, so I work at a local state, uh, four year university and I'm the office manager for counseling and medical services. And so we're considered essential, um, as the office manager, my only real essential reason to be there is to deliver the mail, um, which happens once a week, um, when the school's fully functioning, we actually have our own post office on site, and they do all the deliveries. But with 99% of the campus shut down, it's just not going to happen. So you
0: have to go and, like, retrieve your mail from the post office? Yes.
2: and Okay. um so they I mean I don't know how many staff people are at the post office on campus um, but they're down to one employee a day and depending upon which employee is there in any given week um, you may get someone who's like yeah here's your mail and then someone else well you need a call ahead of time and I'm going to put the mail on this spot you pick it up and I don't even see you and I'm So it's um, trying to manage different people's um, factors um, of uh, concern.
0: Right. Yeah. And are you like wearing your mask and everything too,
2: so that they're. So yes, um, I've actually been keeping busy um, making masks. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I've got some fun prints and some bumblebees. Yeah. so this is what I'm doing during my downtime because I went from going into the office five days a week to going in for just a few hours a week. Yeah, yeah.
0: So are you passing those masks out, or are you just like trying to get a mask that's going to coordinate with anything you possibly would wear?
2: Well, I have a lot of bee fabric, so <laughs> nice. um, I don't, but I also have some sugar skulls. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Some fun, some fun prints. Um, I've been nice. giving them out to family and friends. Um, I had people reach out to me like, hey, can I buy one? I'm like, I'm not looking to make a profit. I'm just going to send you some. Yeah. Okay.
1: Cool. So uh, since we're on this topic, I'll show you this little nifty thing I have, which is a face mask. There? Oh. Um, this was knitted by the Evolution Factory, which is that new, really innovative factory that's come into St. Louis. That's this. Uh, it's incredible what they do. So, um, yeah, it, this is a knitted, a knitted mask. Knitted, knitted. Interesting. knitted. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they have these robotic knitting machines that are revolutionary to the whole garment making industry. And, um, yeah, they can make like, what was it? They said it takes seven minutes to knit this.
0: Um, yeah. So I, I think that's fascinating. Um, I, I can't help, but Keep thinking that looks like a, a jockstrap, a cup. It totally does. <laughs> or I mean, I just keep thinking about the cup that I would buy my boys when they were it playing does. baseball. It does. I know, but that's <laughs>
1: that's what they all look like. They all look like jockstraps.
2: Did you did you see uh, comedian Chelsea Handler took a bra and made her one out of a cup of <gasps> a
1: Yeah. Oh my God, Michelle, that's what I should do with all my yes. old bras.
0: <laughs> well, they have been talking about that, and one woman used one of her bras, and it f- filled her whole face. You know. Oh. So, like, the bigger your boob, the the less yeah. likely it's gonna be a you know a mask that you can actually an use because you mask. can't
2: see, right? Yeah. Um, see, yeah, and I and that. I don't mind wearing them, but um, it's Bras. it's an it's an interesting <laughs> yes. The fog on your glasses <laughs> is a problem. Right. Um and you can't tell people's facial expressions. I know. Yeah,
1: yeah that's why I saw there was a mask that a woman designed for the hearing impaired yes. which was clear, which was beautiful. But you're right, the fog issue is definitely a problem for, you know, people who wear glasses, which is all things that this consortium that I'm collaborating with all of these things are a part of the conversation is how can we make this product that is naturally antiviral you know naturally helps filter things out um and
0: maybe a little more design better. on that instead of just the black and white cuz then it would look less like a cup than um right. you know like something you know cuz it's that's a little better it's you know <laughs> maybe like you know some paisley or something where it is I know
1: yeah they're working on it this was this was like prototype right here but anyway this is cool
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to. Right, I wanted to make sure all of our listeners are aware that uh, Ian and I are on an improv team together yes. and have been working together for I don't know a year now, uh, maybe a little bit longer. We've known each other and uh, uh, great conversations with him. And I thought, oh, he definitely needs to be on the podcast because our listeners will also uh, uh, love him dearly. And, Absolutely. Uh, so well, I-
2: thanks for that. I I'm <laughs> delighted, really. <laughs>
0: So happy um, to have
1: you here. Well, yeah. let's get down to business. What's everybody drinking? Yeah, so Emily, why don't you start? Okay. Well, so the, I the expert. Uh, well, I don't know about expert. That in that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely becoming more of an expert in these quarantine days, let's put it that way. Um,
0: <laughs> on this
2: podcast,
0: <laughs> if you're an expert.
1: <laughs> um, I have gone to Burgundy. I love my Burgundy wines, and I, you know, the wine merchant always knows what I love to drink, and so they helped me find this bottle that's under $25, which is a good price point for Burgundy. Um, it's Corto uh, Bouguignon 2017. Uh, producer would be Francois Confiron Gindreau, of course, will do what we do, and we'll share that information. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm... I, I love it so far. I, I just opened it on the nose. I get some uh, beautiful notes of pomegranate and cherry and earth on the palate. What's interesting is that some darker fruits come through, some blackberry and plum, and that earth absolutely is coming through again, that mushroomy terroir that I've love about that region so that's what i've got in hand i'm looking forward to seeing how this unfolds you notice i've gone to the big carl glass here for this (laughs) episode yeah and um you know we'll see we'll see what happens
0: you know looking at things in 2d can be so like deceptive because that glass looks like as big as your face (laughs)
1: well <laughs> is it, is it but like is it though here i'll actually put it right next to my face it it's looks pretty, like it's just it's pretty it's close as as your face it's pretty close yeah, yeah. okay it's wow. not full
0: it's not full no no but, but it's, it's the it's, length of it it's you know it is. it is it's like that isn't that the whole thing like the objects in the mirror appear closer <laughs> right. than they right. are mm-hmm. or further away than they are yeah, yeah. So, so good. So you're liking it? Then you've ha- oh have you had it God. before?
1: No, no. Okay. I just I just mm-hmm. pulled this out of my cellar. I was like, what am I going to drink? And I pulled it, and I was like, well, hopefully I'm not opening one of those, you know,
0: really expensive ones, right? That, that I keep worrying about. Like I don't want to drink that. So um, I'm drinking a Bordeaux um, tonight, a red, mm. also a smaller glass. You know, definitely a smaller glass. See, look how look how petite it is next to my face <laughs> but, it's, but it's halfway full um and it is a chateau de Franc, uh 2016 bordeaux and it is a um merlot and cab mixed 90 merlot 10 cab and it is at the wine merchants and um it was about 14 dollars. and i had gone in point. asking uh to get my daily drinking wines um because i worry about drinking something tapping into should, the cellar yeah that i should wait on right i don't want yeah. to be like oh if only i hadn't drank it during the covid times or the corona times uh and so i the they were like well we know you like cap Royale so much why don't you try this one we just got a bunch of it in and so this is my first How um, does it compare to cap Royale? Well i I, you know, I'm not an expert at this, but I would probably say that Cap Royale might have a little more cab, like the blend is a little bit more Cabernet than, than Merlot, Um, but it's very tasty. And I too just opened it before we started the show.
1: I love that Cap Royale. I just picked some of that up. I was like, I, you know, again, I need the daily drinkers. It's gone up in price a little bit. Did you notice
0: that? It's because we keep talking about it.
1: Three bucks, it's still it's
0: still still a good Sorry. price. I drink too much. Um, <laughs> I I get I get some cherry and some um, and some meatiness. You know, like I really Ooh. like to have a nice steak with this right now, but it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, and uh, I if this were a panty, I'm thinking a very sturdy pair of uh, black. Um, I like a pair of black shiny. Um, not necessary necessarily uh, uh, vinyl. Um, but uh, <laughs> but something along those okay. lines, you know, a sturdy shiny fabric, whatever whatever you can use these days for sturdy and shiny. S- similar to Emily's mask, if you will. Yeah,
1: got it. <laughs> so when you said meaty and then went directly to panty after that, it made me think of an artist, um, Mark Ryden. Are either of you familiar with Mark Ryden?
2: Mm-mm.
1: Oh, That's God, no I love idea. his work. Well, he um, did a series. His, his images are very sweet. You know, there are these characters that have this... Childlike sweetness about him, but then there's all this kind of like a dark sense of humor also tied into it. So he did this series where there was like meat in all of it. So like the meat dress and all of that on these cute little characters. So it kind of maybe
0: <laughs> oh, was it was it's it like, meat panty? Okay, was it like <laughs> like decorated in meat? Like yeah. he actually used cuts of meat or was it illustrated? It's illustrated. Yeah, yeah. What, and what yeah. is his name
1: again? Mark Ryden. Oh my God. I love his stuff. Yeah.
2: Can I make a note of that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll make sure to share. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was watching,
0: um, last week tonight with John Oliver and he two weeks ago had an artist on that was, um, auctioned off for like a PBS, um, uh, Fundraising kind of thing back, it wasn't PBS, some small town in like on the Northeast. And it was these like animals depicted in very erotic situations. Ooh. And, and so if you can go back, you know, check it out on YouTube if you don't have access to HBO, but um th- the best thing about the segment was how the announcers just had to act like those paintings and those pictures were not nearly as erotic and and obscene as they really were. And this was like in the late 80s, early 90s. It's, it's, I mean, can you imagine? Well, um, this is another one that was donated to our lovely station that we're raising money for. And as you can see, the animals are Quite happy. <laughs> I
2: mean, he had like he had like the animals,
0: like the wolves, you know, in the hot tub smoking cigarettes, you know, and and like uh, embraced or you know, like it could look like like he was taking the other animal from behind. I mean, it is it is uh, uh, definitely hilarious and. And he's put out a uh, a request because he wants he wants to buy one of those. He's like, oh. so I know that these are out here. So it, it's, he's like, come on, you know, universe out there, help me out. Try to, and I I bet you he'll he'll uh, he'll be successful at that. So I would think. So, so. when you said meat, I was thinking. I immediately went to that other artist. I thought, how crazy would that be if Emily was referring to the same one?
1: hmm I,
0: I, I'm going to have to look that up too. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll be sure to include that link or whatever in our, yeah. in our show
2: notes. But anyway.
1: Yeah. So Ian. Yes. What are you drinking?
2: Um, so I don't have any wine in the house. However, this here is um, Boulevard Brewing Company, which is uh, Kansas City, um, bourbon barrel quad. So it's barrel Ooh. aged. Um, for some reason, I prefer the the craft beers that have high, A, high ABV. I was like, that I is need high for my buck. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you, I don't know anything about like what, what fruits or what notes i have <laughs> i just know that it's or what kind of panty
1: it
0: is i have no idea what <laughs> kind
2: of panty it is
0: <laughs> is it a boxer is it a brief um if it were a, if it were a pair of underwear is it is it a cup <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it is it is, it is a cup like maybe one would put over one's face <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. It's a COVID cup. It's a COVID cup.
0: cup. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So uh Ian, when we asked you to be on our podcast, you know, and I'm I'm fishing here. Uh, for you know, compliments. Um, <laughs> what what was your initial reaction? Like, what the hell? Or oh my god, I can't wait. I
2: was actually I can't wait um, because Woo. I I had heard about the B side being a thing, and I was like, I have never been on a podcast before. I wonder. And then you asked me, and I felt like it was a prom thing. Like you were <laughs> like this super popular person who had this thing that everybody wanted a part of, and like you asked me out it was amazing
1: (laughs) it came with a full-blown like you know squad of people doing a
0: whole like will you be on our podcast (laughs) (laughs) yes i got down on one knee
2: (laughs) (laughs) would you please be on
0: the be on the b side actually
2: i think you sent me a text like i hope you don't think this is weird but i want you to be on my podcast like yeah yeah i'll do it I
0: guess so. <laughs> you, you had me uh, at <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're excited about uh, being on the show and being on the um, being one of our B-side conversations. Absolutely. Um, so, Ian, let, let's just kind of you know dive into a little bit more. Um, you know, talk about you know who you are and um, share that with our our listeners. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, I kind of want to know, like. I mean, I'm going to interject a question because I know you guys know each other really well. Um, you know, you're both a part of the improv scene. I'd love to know how you got involved with improv.
2: So, honestly, um, I I like to perform. Um, I like to say that I've been doing improv for however many years. Currently, it's four years. I've been doing improv for four years, but I've been dramatic my whole life.
1: Oh, perfect.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I started, um, I was always a shy kid in high school, um, grade school even, picked on. um, And then someone in high school was like, you should try out for drama. Um, And so, I mean, nowadays, if someone tells you you should try out for drama, that's probably an insult, meaning you're a dramatic (laughs) human being. But um, at the time, it was like a compliment. And so um, I did the auditions and I got cast in a play. Um, I can't remember the name of the play, but it was kind of a play within a play where it was about a kid who was a nerd who got picked on, but then he ended up getting casted in <laughs> Romeo and Juliet.
0: Um, oh, wow. And so the
2: play within the play, um, I was Romeo, and oh, wow. it was the death scene. And wow. the our director at the time was like the English teacher um, for the high school, and she was considering cutting the scene because it was a Shakespearean play and she was afraid that the the class could not memorize it like it was too much. It was Shakespearean dialogue and we said no and we hunkered down and I'll be darned if I don't know twenty-five years later I don't remember the death scene. <laughs> Romeo's lines from Romeo and Juliet. From this play within a play, although I don't remember the name of the actual play.
0: So do you have any pictures of yourself in it? Because it could have just been a
2: dream. You know, <laughs> I think I have a yearbook that has a picture of me in it.
0: Okay. So you have proof. Yes. You have proof of yourself in the play that you can't remember what the name of it is yes. or the line. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's So that got you into drama and performing.
2: Yes. And so then I attended um, Webster University in St. Louis. It's a small liberal arts college. And I wanted to do acting, but in order to be part of the conservatory, it was more expensive. And you had to audition each semester. Wow. And, so yeah. it's
1: like you're not, once you're in, you're not always in. No. Yeah. And
2: I don't really care for competition. Um, So maybe being an actor was not my calling. Um, So then I did second best, which was communications degree. Oh, okay. Um, And then um, I did a few uh, community theater um, things in St. Louis. Um, But then there's just so much time commitment involved in that. Um, so then I started taking improv classes, um, because with improv, you don't really need to memorize a script, um, cause there is no script. Um, right. and I've always been told that I'm witty. And so, um, there was also a part of me that felt like I was losing my wit. Um, I also had a hard time making friends. That whole idea of having friends since you were in high school didn't exist for me. I don't know what that's like Um, because I was bullied so severely that I don't have those friendships. Um, So like my sister's very popular, um, made friends constantly. Was she older
1: or younger? I'm the
2: oldest.
0: Okay. Um, oh, you're the so oldest of how many? I was the
2: oldest four. Um, I say okay. was. Uh, my brother, who is 27, he died of a drug overdose um, oh, back in gosh. 11. So I'm still the oldest of four. Um, one of them is just not around anymore. Um, okay, but my can sisters I ask you, brother- you,
1: you talk about, okay, you talk about being bullied and you talk about, you know, your, your, your brother and a drug overdose, there's like layers of things I'd love to dive into here. Um, I, I, I'm curious about, you know, um, I mean, kids are just terribly cruel. I, Mm -hmm. I was bullied too. Like what, you know, was there, did you have any, any friend at all to lean on and, and, um, I don't know. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about sure, sure. that experience?
2: Uh, so, th- so the thing that's interesting to me is that um, so I I was always the first to move from one class to the next. Um, I wanted to minimize whatever time I was in the hallway where I could be bullied. I mean, I had my books knocked out of my arm. Someone tripped me and yeah. my stuff went everywhere and people stepped over me. Um, but the I think the roughest part of the day was lunchtime because oh. I didn't feel... Not knowing where to sit. To where am I going to sit? Yeah. And so I would just like meander the halls because at that time, the hallways were empty. And I, I don't have a musical bone in my body. I can carry a tune, but as far as musical instruments, know. And we had um, a high school, uh, he was the choir director and he was also the music teacher. And he saw me walk down, because back in the day they had soda machine, vending machines in schools. Um, and he saw me at the vending machine and he was like, Hey, I see you um, walking around a lot. Like, do you not go to lunch? And for whatever reason I found in this adult, um, I just don't feel comfortable going to the lunchroom. And he said, well, do you want to hang out in the band room? He was like a lot of, a lot of kids who don't feel comfortable, like the band-aids, the the kids who, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, if you look at a, a popularity contest, the rejects of the high school would go hang out in the the band room, and so I was hanging out among these kids who knew how to play musical instruments, but were not didn't have the social skills necessary, um, or didn't feel comfortable like I didn't feel comfortable, and I knew some of these kids, but it. I was never introduced to an environment where we all got along. and so um, Mr. Mitchell like cultivated this, this safe space for all of us to just be there and hang out. And I remember like playing computer games on the computer um, where I mean, I grew up in a time where we had like one computer in the whole school. So, yeah. um, so that, that was um, he offered like this this safe haven for the students. Oh my and, god. Yeah,
1: that was really cool. That's uh, kudos to him for acknowledge, you know for making that safe space because you know it, were you smaller
0: as a as a student? Were you uh, like um hadn't got like had were you were still short? Had you not grown much <laughs> or or were you the opposite like tall, big and, The word you know,
2: squirrely comes up. So I had like a small frame. I was skinny. I was effeminate, um, ruddy cheeks, um, and just didn't. My voice, like I I like to joke that I still haven't hit puberty because my (laughs) voice isn't deepened. Um, yeah. Any one of these days. Yeah. yeah, Anytime I'm talking to a service provider on the phone or go through the drive-through, seventy-five percent of the time I get misgendered. Um, May oh, pull really? forward for your order? Um, yeah. Yeah. It happens wow, quite that's, frequently.
1: That's surprising. Okay. Were you in a smaller school as well? Or were you? Um,
2: my graduating class had 67 students.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. A, a limited, more limited pool of
0: diversity.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So. I was thinking like as you were talking about b- being bullied and I mean when I was growing up we moved all around because my dad was in the Air Force so I had to like make new friends every 3 years and one of the ways that um I did that like to like have people recognize who I was is I tried to just have like the best grades. Right. They, would they, people always know who the smartest kid in class is Um, not saying that I was the smartest, but I certainly was very competitive and would usually give whoever had been the smartest kid in class a run for their money, which they were quite happy about. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when we had moved from, um, oh, and then my, So two stories. One night when I had moved from Hawaii to uh, to Alabama, we had been in Hawaii for three years. Wow, that's a transition, (laughs) huh? A little bit, yeah, Yeah. just a little bit. Sixth grade, you know, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, and it was picture day, and you know, I was going to a small Catholic uh, uh, grade school in uh, Montgomery, and I'd been to a Catholic grade school in in Hawaii. But um, it was picture day, so you, you didn't have to wear your uniform. You could wear whatever you wanted. And I was so excited because I was going to wear my very favorite pink and white muumu, right? Because you wore muumus in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, sure. And they were, like, beautiful, right? They're floral. They're, they're yeah. you know, they're they're floor length. You know, they had whatever that little, you know, when it's kind of crinkly up at the top. What's that? You know, when they're, like, it's not um, – I can't think of what it's called right now, but like a ruching uh, or
1: something. Like or ruched,
0: but there was something, you know, with the it's something more spati- particular. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily, but I loved it. And it had a pretty little um, flounce at the end, and oh, and, and of course, my hair was, my mother cut our hair, so I had that going on. And um, I walked in for my picture, and all the boys in my class started laughing, and they're like, "Why are you here in your pajamas?" Because they thought I was wearing a nightgown. And oh. I was crushed because that was of my course. my most favorite, beautiful dress of all times, and I never wore it again.
1: Yeah, oh. I got, I got,
0: I got teased the one time and I did not mm-hmm. wear it again. Granted, I can't wear it now; it's too small. I've, I've gotten taller, and then the other time that was awkward was when we moved from um, California to Oklahoma. Again, my family and their extremes, and it was my senior year, and I had no idea who to talk to where to sit at lunchtime and there was only like the one lunch and I didn't know anybody and it was awful. It was awful because you're like you're just standing there and then somebody's like, why don't you come sit down? But uh you know like how do you how do you like break into a to groups that were set three years earlier, you yeah. know, as, as this, as this, uh, senior, fortunately, I, another girl had sh- had come to the, come to the school also as a senior and we became friends, but, uh, no, we had two lunches. We were on opposite lunch. So that's what made it hard. Anyway, those were mine. I, I wasn't bullied though, but I know what it mm. feels like to not belong.
1: I, you know? I definitely, so I, I mean, I've, I've went through phases. So I had an era where, I was the smart kid and, um, and, and that's, I mean, I think it's because I'm, I'm driven like you, Michelle, you know, like I just, I always wanted to be perfect and, um, that's a really
0: tall order, <laughs> right? Well, if we and, all know what it means like, right, why are we driving ourselves to be perfect because right? we're still wanting to be accepted, right? Accepted, right. right. And we're thinking if we're perfect.
1: Uh, it's, it's, com- it's completely yeah. true. And yeah. so, but I remember like there becoming a point, like, and this is like, you know, puberty, 12, 13 and being the smart kid is no longer the popular thing. Right. And, um, and there were t- multiple dynamics happening, happening. I was getting picked on because I was, you know, in the, in the nerd group or whatever. And then I also, um, I I, I hated getting like cheated on. Like people were like cheating off of my test, like they were like trying to look at me and that kind of stuff. And I hated that. So it was really interesting because at that same time, that was when I started like working and making my own money. And so I was like, I'm gonna dress myself. So my interest in fashion really started when I was twelve and thirteen and able to buy my own clothes. And I really used that as a signature to define myself. And the the thing is is that I I, I did I did break away from those normal, whatever those titles are, Mm -hmm. but I never really fit into any one title or any one group because I, I literally was that person beating to my own drum. Like I just, you know, I, I, I couldn't identify clearly with, any one of those groups, nor did I feel like any one of them was right. So, Ian, when you're talking about being in the band room and not being able to play an instrument, that is how I felt in every single group I tried to associate with, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just, it is it is what it is. I ended up, you know, I had, I, I was fortunate enough then in high school, I had a couple of really great girlfriends and, uh, and they became my, you know, my social structure <laughs> Um, but it's, uh, it's really interesting how impacting those experiences are. And I remember one time in high school, I, you know, there was a plenty of girls that did not like me. And I think it's, you know, there's something I think about all those like high school, rom-coms you know and Mm -hmm. there's the awkward girl that the popular guy is going to try to date you know like I was that awkward girl and I can totally relate to that and so you know those those the popular girls were very offended whenever I was that girl that was somebody was trying to date so it would not be uncommon for me to go to the restroom and a group of girls try to shake me down you know,
2: do so as women, um, both Emily yeah. and Michelle, do you feel that uh, the bullying was more severe, um, from other women, um, other girls? Oh, for me, yes. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. It wasn't, I wasn't getting bullied from boys, I was getting bullied from girls.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, for sure. And at one point, I mean, it had been a good, like, solid. I mean, it was a hard year of getting chased down at my locker and in restrooms and in the gym locker room, all that stuff. And finally I just had had enough. And this one girl was like, came up to me like all threatening to kick my ass, you know, in the hallway. And I finally just like, I threw my books down. I was just exhausted by it. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? Do what you're going to do because I've had enough of it. Like, (laughs) what exactly do you think you're going to do to me? Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting because by confronting her in that moment, she wasn't prepared for the fight. She didn't think I'd ever stand up to her and she huffed and puffed and walked away. And then that was it. I never heard from her again. Oh, nice. It was empowering. It was a good moment.
0: Nice. Stand up for yourself, you know. I, yeah, I I never had any problem standing up for myself until I like, get you know, like later in my life and I got married. But, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but but like growing up, I guess because I um I have a very sharp tongue. I mm. mean, and I I could throw out an insult faster to somebody than they. If, uh, you know, that's where I would go. Like if I was feeling, yeah. feeling like a, in any way being attacked or aggrieved, I would just throw it right back at them. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, that probably helped me not be somebody who was um, physically manhandled or abused because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a problem just throwing it back at him verbally. And I and I think about when my brother and I, my older brother and I were just 13 months apart and we would be, you know, as siblings, you start to like irritate each other and fight. And like, mm-hmm. I would just like overpower him with words and he wouldn't be able to like handle the words. And so he would just chase me and then beat me, right? So we, we had oh different God. ways of handling, <laughs> handling situations um, because, you know, that's how, I mean- that's how we were. He doesn't do that now. You know, he just, you know, we're we're grown, um well beyond it. But I mean, I remember making him so angry one time um that he he was so angry at me and he was taking the the nozzle off the vacuum. We had one of those canister vacuums, think back in this in the early 70s and 80s. Oh, I remember. Those Electrolux uh, canister vacuums and he was taking off the attachment. He was so mad. He like yanked it up right into his chin, cut the chin open <sighs> and then, I had, we were living on base. So I, I called a neighbor and she walked him up to the emergency room at the base hospital. And I was like, that
2: was that it was metal? Bad. Are those metal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: They were like metal, aluminum or whatever, you know, back then. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you
2: said Electrolux. And I was like, did he cut himself with plastic? I'm like, no, that probably wasn't plastic.
0: Yeah. Not back then. Yeah. Okay. And then one time he was coming at me and I was angry at him and I grabbed the Windex. And I, I like shot it in his eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> and then when he started wearing glasses, you know, several years later, I was like, I wonder if I did that to him. Did I make him wear glasses? Because, you know, um, and then that's why I'm so glad there was never any like handguns in our house. Yeah, no we didn't mad at each other, you know, um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, um, my defense was that kind of stuff. But, um, and I, wow. and I and moving around a lot i think i was probably more open to the people who didn't fit in like who were new mm-hmm. always yeah. making them feel comfortable right because i know what that's like yeah you know and um yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break on that well, happy yeah. non nonviolent discussion we just had, <laughs> and uh, let's, drink <laughs> let's drink more. Let's drink more. Let's let's re, uh, refresh our glasses and see what other skeletons we can let out of our closet, <laughs> and uh, and we'll be we'll be right, right
1: back. back. <laughs> well, hello, Michelle. Hey, Emily. How are you? I'm- Good. I just wanted to express a special thank you to our digital marketing team, Worry-Free Marketing.
0: I know. I have been completely blown away with our results working with them.
1: Absolutely. And you know, in this time where everything is so complicated, people are consuming information in different ways, you know, they've been really excellent at helping us kind of redraft a strategy as to the best way to stay in
0: contact with all of our listeners. It feels good. I don't feel quite like we're out here alone by ourselves trying to navigate it. So it's awfully great that we have that resource locally. And I know they work all across the US, but it's nice that we have them here in St. Louis to help us out absolutely so cheers to worry free yeah and let's get back with our show and we're back I have got a little bit more wine in my glass hello Emily yeah yeah, well, get-
1: actually, I, you know, I do have the glass that's as big as my head, so yes. I'm still good.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Good. I, mean, yeah. I, I saw you were taking some, some little nibbles in between uh, I did, on yeah. our break. So that's, yeah. that's nice.
1: Responsible drinking here in my shoe closet. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, you have to make sure you can get across the hall to your bedroom.
1: <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean,
0: it would be an awful lot to call an Uber to come move you from the closet to the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would. You'd have, to t- you'd have to tip them pretty well.
1: I'm not willing to tip them that well.
0: <laughs> Move me to my bed, sir. Tuck me in now, please. Thank you. Actually, I think they'd be the one providing the tip. <laughs> <laughs> they would be hopeful, hopefully providing the
2: tip, right? They'd be like, oh. Just, just the tip. Just
0: the, just tip. the tip, yes. Yeah. Does, it, does it fit in my cup? Uh, Is that what you call it? (laughs) We've been working in the basement, you know, putting in the, um, putting in the floors and, uh, uh, you have to stagger the the planks out, the vinyl planks out, and they tell you to you know, have it six inches from the other one. And so every you know, every movement, <laughs> and I was trying really hard, and I did not make this joke. And know <laughs> I wanted to make this joke with my son. I was like, well, awful lot of six inches going along right here. And I was, I was like, well, maybe. Yeah, it's good, mom. Don't go there. Don't go there with your son right? who's right. 16, and we'll be like, what the hell? This is so yeah. awkward. Yeah. Um, or I was gonna say something like, well, now we really know what six inches is because we've seen it over and over and over. <laughs> no need, you can't you can't fool me. I know what six inches looks like.
1: Oh my god. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh. so we've gone from uh length uh what we're talking about, penis length, and now Ian. <laughs> <laughs> let's I, I'm, I'm not disclosing
2: that <laughs> on this podcast. I'm sorry. Literally speaking.
0: Yeah, thank. We appreciate that. You know, appreciate some decorum. But anyway, uh, so let's uh, let's kind of go back into that statement you made. You kind of like you know glossed over it really fast Um, when you said your brother had he passed away in two thousand and eleven at age twenty seven from a drug overdose. Yes. Um, So how long had he been? I guess, using or um, how did he get connected with it? I mean, would okay. you mind telling us this story?
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, so uh, my mom um, has a neurological disorder called dystonia. And so she is um, she has slurred speech and walk, walks with a pronounced limp on her left side. Um, they think she had a stroke, um, something. Um, her thought processes are all there. It just, slurred speech, uh, is predominantly the factor and she has a hard time getting around. Um, my father, um, was a lifelong drug addict. Um, when my parents met dad smoked pot, um, they say that some people say that pot is a gateway drug. I don't think that's necessarily true in all cases, but it definitely was for my father. Um, And I mean, there were times where my father would steal mom's medication, Um, her, her pain relieving medication. He would like, it was that bad. And my brother um, lived away from home, maybe three, four years out of his entire life. Um, And so there was constantly drug use around Um, coincidentally. Or not coincidentally in 2014, my father also died from a drug overdose.
0: Oh my wow. goodness. Yes. Were your parents still married at the yes, time?
2: Yes. Um, so my oh, parents wow. were married 37 years before dad passed. And um, so my brother was living at home and whenever he died, um, my father blamed himself and, you know that's not necessarily the slant that you want to put on someone, but I mean, he was in an environment. My brother had gone to rehab. Uh, he was in rehab for eight weeks and then came right back into my parents' house. And Dad was and, still actively using. And your mother wasn't a user. No, 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 no. Um, um, so how,
0: how how soon? Like how young was he when he first tried? Do you know? Do you brother, know how young he was? Yeah, when your brother oh, first. Oh gosh, thought.
2: he. I mean, he was probably in his early teens. And um, was he
0: the, was he the youngest?
2: No, no. So it, um, the birth order went boy, girl, boy, girl. Um, so the boys were seven years apart. The girls were seven years apart.
0: Um, wow. Yeah,
2: I I felt like I um, was adopted somehow because I'm so different from my siblings. Um, so I, I put on weight more easily than they do. I have a sturdier frame than they do. Um, they, they like to party and I prefer isolation. I'm really getting down with this COVID-19 stuff. <laughs> like I, yeah. I'm just mastering. It. Yes. Master. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, had no idea I was preparing all my life for this. Um, and so we were so vastly different, in the way that uh, we went about the world. And so I feel like um, part of my, my brother passing was me realizing like, okay, we need to bond together as a family. Um, at the time of my brother's death, my father and I had a falling out over his desire to have mom's pain meds, her pain medication. And um, it, it, blew up into this huge argument where he was like, okay, I don't want you. I don't want to see you in my house ever again. And he kicked me out of the house and like, I've always been a mama's boy. And so I would continue to go over there, but not go inside. And then I would pick up mom and we would go out and do some shopping or go out to lunch or I'd take her over to my sister's house. Um, And that went on for three years. And then, or not three years. That went on for a couple of years. And then when my brother died and I was like, well, crap, I can't not go over there anymore. Like he's he's lost a son. Um, like I I need to be the better person and start going around again. So I did.
0: So you had a relationship of some sorts with him before he passed? I I
2: did, but he never accepted the fact that I was gay. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh my did gosh. Th- did he think that by not accepting it, you would not
2: be gay? Um, so, I mean, it's, so the, I just, the argument that happened that made me stay away for a while, um, he blew up and like, this had everything to do with him wanting mom's pain medications for himself. Um, my mom was in a car accident uh, on the way to a doctor's appointment and I visited her in the hospital And whenever they released her from the hospital, I took her back home and he was pissed off that she didn't stop off at the pharmacy and get her meds filled. And I was like, she was in a car accident. So um, he and I got into this huge argument and I was actually lying in mom's bed with her, like just consoling her, making sure she was okay because she would just been in the hospital. And he stood and, like, pulled in. things had never gotten physical at home. And in that mm-hmm. moment, I realized that things could get very physical. And here I am, a grown adult, and this is happening. And he mentioned something, like, somehow my sexuality came up during this argument about Prescription drug abuse, and it was in that moment that I realized he has never gotten over this.
1: Well, he's trying to transfer the issue. You know, he's trying to transfer the drama onto or you, distract
0: you, yeah, yeah. distract yeah. it from his his failing to a perceived failing of yours in his mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, and I and I understood that, but oh, also. Yeah. Any time growing up, and this is really painful, but any time growing up, when we would confront him on his drug abuse, he would threaten suicide. My father oh, threatened God. suicide constantly because it was like his way of throwing a fifty-year-old tantrum.
0: What it was manipulating you? Oh, manipulating all you kids. Like with the threat of nobody, I'll just kill myself then, you know, gosh, I can't imagine the trauma, the psychological trauma that, you know, unleashed upon the children. And I mean, I
2: had heart to hearts with mom, like, why, why are you still together and why did you get with him in the first place? Because she, she w- they met in a nursing home, um, n- n- not because <laughs> wow. they were elderly, but because they both worked <laughs> there. So mom was a nurse's assistant and dad was a custodian. And somehow they felt like he was a pot smoking custodian and she came from a r- relatively normal family life um, where he was kicked out at the age of 16 had started smoking pot when he was 13. And I was like, mom, why, why did you get involved with this man? And she's like, well, I thought he would change.
1: <laughs> to make you <laughs> Thank. <laughs> I mean, thank goodness for that.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Or, or, um, no, well we all think they're going to
2: change yeah you know
0: yeah and and i guess we're, were they younger though when they when they met i
2: mean 1920 so or he, he 21 and mom was 23 24 i mean they were in their early 20s, 20s. and now so i'm i'm going to be 43 and i look mm-hmm. at these people who are married and have kids and like my sister just turned 40 and she has three kids between the ages of like 12 down to eight. And I was like, maybe I'm just selfish, but I I can't even see having kids at my age, like even one kid. I've got two dogs sure. and they're lucky if I remember to feed them. So yeah. I can't imagine having like human children.
0: Uh, well, it's, you know, if you were taking care of your siblings kind of growing up, if you, uh, you know, had issues with your, if you felt like your, your father, or you had to take care of your mom, I can see where as an adult, you yeah. are kind of done. You don't necessarily want to have that responsibility to, to raise another human being from I, zero you know, I wherever.
2: didn't fit like that, um, maybe that, I mean, that's quite possible. I didn't get yeah. out of my parents' house until I was 21. So, um, yeah, I definitely held on for longer than maybe I should have.
1: Yeah. You had a well, great deal of responsibility at a really
0: young age, you know? And, and, um, you know, and, in in society, um, for you to have a child, it would have been a conscious decision, you know, being that you're gay you know, what? I know we, we oh. established that, <laughs> right? Spoiler alert again. You know, so it wasn't be like you just ha- happened to get somebody pregnant. You know, like oh fuck, now I'm a parent. You know, like a lot of f- people find themselves in that situation, but because because
2: of the inability to breed.
0: I like mean, I mean,
2: there was that that one girl that I dated for three years when I thought may, maybe I was hetero.
1: Oh, did you try it? You tried going the.
2: I mean, part of the reason why I was bullied in high school is because of my effeminate qualities. People labeled me as gay. But honestly, I wasn't interested in boys or girls. My plan was to get in, get an education, and get the hell out of there. Um, And most times I didn't even want to be there. Um, So So
1: there wasn't anything in particular. You know, think about like puberty and hormones coming into play. There wasn't anything that you found particularly interesting in high school, you were just maybe too, too afraid of all of the other
0: issues I at think, play or I think the
2: focus was survival and not survival. Right. Need.
0: Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you had to survive at home too. Well, you're, you're yes. trying to survive everywhere. So there wasn't a spot where you could actually let down and, and, um, and flirt with somebody, and you know, no. have a crush and stuff like no. that.
2: It wasn't so. And in then after dating Lisa for three years, and in that three years, we had maybe five times of intimate party time. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But then I realized that in all of the the mail order catalogs, because back in the day, mail order catalogs were a thing. That all the ones that came to the house, that I was always more interested in the shirtless men underwear ads than I was in like the the ads for the bras or the whatever. Um, and so, right. yeah, it was during that time I was like, maybe, maybe the kids were right. Maybe I am. Okay. <laughs> and
0: how old were you then? Did you when you uh, determine um, that? Twenty one. Twenty one, and did you uh, have it coming out to your
2: parents? Did you tell your siblings? I mean, so did, I told was, did. Mom, you, I told mom first because um, okay. mothers know, and mom just shrugged her shoulders and said, "Oh well." Um, and then, <laughs> so like with each person in the house that I told, I asked them not to say anything and let me do it on my own terms. And so I went from mom to my sisters, then my brother. And then from the time that I started to the time I told my dad, maybe a month and a half had gone by. Um, And I was kind of priming the pump because I had a couple lesbian friends and I would always make reference to my lesbian friends, my lesbian friends, my lesbian friends. And so one night I got home at like three o'clock in the morning um and dad was sitting there watching the history channel and uh he was he was a good man i feel he was just very misguided um with regard to drugs and just um his upbringing and sexuality and stuff um and i told him he was said well what have you been doing out and i mentioned these lesbian friends by name and he said oh aren't those your lesbian friends And I said, yes. And he said, I will never understand how a woman could love another woman. And I will never understand how a man could love another man. And I said, well, I could. And he turned and it was that moment that it was like, yes, Ian, you're going to finally say something to this man. And he said, are you a homosexual? And I said, Yeah, I think so. And he held his hand on his chest and he leaned back and I said, I are you all okay with this? And he's like, I just it doesn't feel right to me. And I had suspected that dad's parents, my grandparents thought that I was because there was some issue with me coloring my hair like bright red (laughs) not like a clown red but like an auburn kind of thing and my grandma had brought it up and I remember that conversation with her because it was just really strange because she hadn't seen my hair I was wearing a hat she said I heard you have red hair because dad just so happened to see me cutting grass when he came home from work one day and so I knew that they had some kind of conversation about a boy dying his hair. And I said I'm not gay because we never played catch or you never took me fishing or all of these masculine things. And he and he said, "Well, my parents said that if you're gay, it's my fault." Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. And so I feel like that's part of the reason why he couldn't let, he never let it go. Yeah, was, um, And I mean, he got really hardcore into drugs. Um, there was cocaine and heroin. I mean, really hard, significant drugs towards the end of his life. And I feel like me coming out to him, there was that constant nagging of his parents saying, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah. Um, but i was quite i was quite um sure that my brother with his drug using promiscuous ways was going to land my father several grandbabies to carry on the family baby- name <laughs> if it weren't Coming from me, but yeah. I don't think uh,
0: you at least You and least weren't able to make it happen. Right,
2: right, right. <laughs> I don't think that panned out. But my sisters ended up having, the one sister has three kids, the other one has one and one on the way. So I feel like they more than made up for my lack of help.
0: Right, yeah. You didn't replace yourself with another worker bee out there, a no. future worker bee. Um. So how old was your father when he passed away?
2: He was 57.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's young. That is
1: so young. Oh my God.
0: Oh, wow. And, uh, was he at your home at the home
2: when he, where he overdosed? So yes. Yeah. So he was, um, he and mom were living in an apartment on the other side of town from me. And, um, so my brother had been living there. And then when my brother died, Mom phoned dad's best friend and was like, hey, um, Keith, my father is really upset over Aaron, my brother's death. Um, Will you come up here and cheer him up? And so that man ended up moving into my brother's old bedroom. Oh, my God. And so we're not quite sure what happened. Um, But mom was babysitting um, grandkids when the, the roommate, the, the man who replaced my brother in his room, um, found my dad. Um, mm. he, he was, it was not, uh, a ceremonious, uh, ceremonious death. Um, he, it happened in the bathroom and, um, yeah, it was just, he was gone. Mm.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: But How's honestly, your mom today? Um, honestly, as an adult, every single time I got a phone call from mom's house, I was like, this is the call. This you, is the call. You, yeah. I was so certain that even before my brother died, that my, my dad was living his life totally recklessly without regard for his life, without regard with anyone else's life. I can't tell you the, the amount of times he drove under the influence just so just because, like, he was constantly getting messed up.
1: How are your other siblings with regards to addiction issues?
2: Um, So the one sister is terrified of taking any painkillers of any sort. Um, The other sister, she might have an alcohol problem. Okay. And you have an addiction to improv. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, quality craft, (laughs) high ABV beers.
0: <laughs> and how's your mom doing these days? is she like mom's, mom's uh, doing
2: all right um we we moved her out of the apartment that she lived in that she shared with my dad my brother and the man who replaced my brother ended up being in a relationship with her um and then he also died so oh I know hey, your
0: mom Hi. I know
2: Hi. within Hi. seven oh. years time three men that she loved all died. Um either that or she she is a black widow in disguise. Um but she's this sweet frail lady and I feel like she didn't purposefully kill any of them. Right. Yeah
0: we're not gonna call her Carol Baskin are we?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) From Tiger
0: King for those of you who have done oh
1: I see I was gonna ask I'm like I actually don't know
2: who that is. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: and I know that's a big thing that's trending right now. So yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, um, if you feel like my or anyone that you know their story is a train wreck, you need to watch Tiger King because
0: okay. that
2: dumpster fire is not going out anytime soon.
0: <laughs> it will make you feel good about your own situation. Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I asked but- my, my sister lives in Oklahoma and I asked her, I was like, What do you what are you guys saying about the like you know, Joe? exotic from the Tiger King, Uh, you know, what's going on down there? And she's like, most of the memes that are going around in Oklahoma is like, how are we from the same state? (laughs) How is this, how how is this possible? How is this guy? And the fact that he ran for uh, Congress and nearly won. Oh my God. And he ran for president too, but, uh, oh my God, he nearly nearly won, but, uh, yes, you'll always make yourself feel better. Well, um, Ian, let's see, let me think of uh, another, uh, like, you know, um, revealing conversation question.
1: What's your favorite improv game?
2: My favorite improv game. It's a game that not a lot of people like because it's kind of cerebral and it's called the alphabet game. So you take two people in a scene and the suggestion you get from the audience is a letter of the alphabet. And then those two people have to have a conversation that starts with the letter that the person mentioned and work their way all the way through the alphabet, all the way back to the letter that they started at. Um, okay, so do you guys
1: want to try it? Each sentence that <laughs> way. You want to try it? Oh,
0: my Michelle,
2: gosh.
1: Michelle, it would be really fun to hear you two do it. I'll give you a letter. You ready?
0: Okay. K.
2: <laughs> Karen, I need you to ship out these reports immediately.
0: Like I told you yesterday, Bob, I need some more time to get the reports prepared.
2: Maybe if you made good use of your time, Karen, this would not be a problem.
0: Now, 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 don't go getting all up in my business.
2: Oprah on YouTube is not worth watching in this day and age.
0: (laughs) Please. You have, you have no, you have no idea what you're saying.
2: Quit fooling around, Karen. You know, just as well as I know that too much Oprah means too much time wasted on the clock.
0: Really? You're talking to me about wasting time on the clock, Bob?
2: slim gems are not being produced (laughs) in an adequate amount because you're wasting time.
0: There is so much wrong with this conversation right now. I'm going to document it.
2: Ultimately, I am also the (laughs) HR rep for our company. Very well. (laughs) Well, well, well. We see who's boss now, Karen.
0: (laughs) Xylophone lessons are what I'm going (laughs) to do later.
2: (laughs) You know, that's probably a better option than YouTube.
0: Zeus is my cat. <laughs> you haven't met him yet.
2: All right, all right. You know sweet talking me with kitty talk is just gonna make me laugh.
0: Bob, 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 I like to stay on your good side.
2: Cue the sappy music
0: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs>
2: Every time you do that, you make me smile, Karen.
0: Finally, something we can agree
2: upon. Now, it, get those Slim Jims.
0: <laughs> Here, try this new recipe.
2: I like it. They're slightly salty, slightly caramelly. Just like I thought they would be. Karen, you're the best.
1: Voila! Fabulous. Oh my god. So yeah, there's there's. First of all, I, as a listener, I'm thinking, what's the next letter in the alphabet? You know, like <laughs> so to try and keep track of the conversation and do the yes and. And be ready for the next comment with thinking. Oh my God, what's the next letter? You know that's that's tricky. Yeah, what and like f-
2: like focusing and going through the alphabet in your head, and then mm-hmm. of course Michelle got stuck with X and Z. X <laughs> and Z. Get that and dictionary.
0: I know. Start both studying. Both those questions. Both my statements were nonsensical, but.
2: Well, you know, it may be speaking from my family history, but when I get an X, I always ask someone for a Xanax.
0: Oh, or offer oh. for of Xanax. I'll, even- <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. That's yeah. very, very good. Because I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Z- xylophone, Xavier, and I'm, I'm gonna,
1: yeah, yeah
0: get. A That's bunch. a tough one. X-ray is a good one to use, also. Um, X-ray. Yeah. X ray yeah. yeah. But instead, I like to say xylophone lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just
1: seems natural. It, it yeah. Right in, didn't it? In fact, I'm yeah. going to, I'm back to, when I'm done with this podcast recording, I'm going to go do my xylophone lessons. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and then, was that good? That was good. That was good. Yeah. Pat, wow. I'll, I'll back. So that's, yeah. There you go. uh so excited. Come out and see us sometime in the future when we're able to
2: play. Yeah,
1: the <laughs> extraneous commas. That, there you go. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. we um, even during this uh, pandemic, we've been having practice weekly, but um, doing it through Zoom, it, it just yeah. kind of doesn't Different. have the same effect.
1: Of course, yeah. Because there's a, you know, it's it's one thing to react off somebody, but there's energy when you're around people, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the thing that I I am missing. Like, I yes, we're we're doing a good job digitally on our phones and through computers, keeping in touch with people, but it's just not the same. There's not the same essence there, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Well, it's gonna
0: it's gonna be a while, you know. I think before we're gonna all jump back into the same type of uh, a connecting uh, in a physical
2: sense with people. Yeah. Well, and, uh, it, but- I mean, it's gonna be a slow, rough transition Um, because, I mean, even if they open up sit down restaurants, like people are probably gonna be a little leery about doing yeah. certain things. And I'm not at all a germaphobe. Like I just that's not something that's in my wheelhouse. Um, but I've definitely had a heightened sense of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do one of those contact delivery, contact less deliveries to my mom's house. Um, Cause I mean, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for her getting sick yeah. and it's yeah. not something that I ever would have thought about, but this whole notion of like, okay, sanitize your hands and washing your hands and how frequently are you washing your hands? I wonder, like the flu that's been around forever, like what, what impact that's going to have on those other things that we should always be doing proper hygiene for, like these things that have been endemic and have existed for quite some mm. time. How mm-hmm. how our heightened sense of these things is going to change all that. Yeah,
0: I I agree. Oh, only time will tell, right? Yeah. Only time will tell. Well, Ian, I have had a great it's time really with fun. you on yeah. the show to, today. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing all that about your family and, and your history
2: and sure. your outlook. Um, yeah, I just wait for the lawsuits to roll in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, just uh, you'll you'll say I I. I don't do contactless uh, subpoenas. You'll have to actually (laughs) show up, you know, uh, and you know, you have to be here in person kind of thing. And then it will be a while before any of that kind of stuff. You won't be served with any papers. Um, No, I I think everything we said was in the public domain. Right. Um, Absolutely. But, but yeah, it was awfully and great to see you. So nice to uh, talk with you. Yeah. On our zoom. And uh, it was was wonderful. And um, when we can, be in real life 3d again uh we'll have you back on the show in the studio yeah. share proper we'll share a proper bottle of wine
2: all right and a nice. beer
0: together or whatever or yes. brandy or whatever it is you like to anything of a high abv, uh, we'll, have high ABV.
2: <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll We'll curate that in no problem yeah so wow. uh, s- stay healthy yes Make sure, right. you know, everything's well and uh, all the best. All right. you Cheers, soon. everyone. Cheers. 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 Cheers.